Shop of Maniacs. You're listening to a, a bit of a shorty episode of the Shop Talk Show. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. We're just fresh back from AEA. Thanks for listening to that last week, everybody. I think the, the episode before... What's that? Oh, are you having the thing where, where you come back from a conference and suddenly you have more work? Because I am. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't even like, notice it because it's happened so much. But but my wife notices. She's like, every time you go away. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's like double the... It's like you're gone double the time, really. No, because it's like I you know, come back and there's like five PRs to review, which is great. Like love PRs, love them doing great, but boy, that takes some time, you know? And so, um, yeah, it does. It does. Like surfing. And then, I don't know. And then like, I was like, okay, cool. Monday morning, gonna hit it. And then like all my servers just decided to die. So that was cool too. So then I'm, so now I'm just like, it's Thursday, I guess. And I'm scrambling. And so anyway, I just, man, it's that thing. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy conferences a lot and we did wear lederhosen, but it is it's that you come back and you're like, dude, what's that? I got to catch up. So it's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of folks out at CodePen and I'm looking at my beautiful PRs and I'm like, they need, they need attention. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I can't work. <laughs> I can't work. So uh, fortunately that's, uh, I kind of always can. I'm sure you can too. You know, there's always a blog post to be written, right? Hey, I just published one literally as we we're swooping into this. Uh, Did you really? Show here. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, look at how fast it breaks the cache there. That's nice. I see it. I'll have to read it or, or you'll have to explain it to me. Well, now that we've mentioned it, we can't just scoot by it. We do have something else to, to talk about though. In the, in the pre, in the show before last, we had a quick little thing. I think it was at the way end of the show. So only people that are true shop talk show believer listeners even made it that far. Probably we're at the very end. We're like, Oh, send us in your, your ideas for patching the web. Because that was another Dave Rupert blog post was you had this moment where you're like, you're watching anime and you like, I don't know, kick up the speed or something like that. You, you affected the video of it somehow. Or it was picture in picture, right? right? Yeah, I just I just needed picture in picture on my country roll and you can't do it in yeah. the iPad app, right? But on, I was just reminiscing like the web. Right. Uh, yeah, I've got the console open. <laughs> I'm yeah, making it, it right mine, you know? like You almost were like uh, fixing a mistake because there's really no reason that that's not on there other than that the devs just like didn't get around to it or didn't think about it or it didn't exist at the time that code was written or whatever, right? But you can open dev tools and just poop it on there. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's that thing where, you know, I, I guess I'm always in this like web versus native mindset a bit, you know, and, you know, you hear natives better, Josh, John Gruber keeps saying that, Um but then it's like, but it's only na- better if like somebody goes above and beyond. And iPad apps are just one situation where people don't go above and beyond. <laughs> so it's that weird uh, third child situation, right? So uh, middle child situation. But it's it's um, yeah. So it, it's. I, but anyway, I, I think like I love this idea of like patching the web, like and, and actually a bunch of people like wrote back like 
very cool well, fixes right. they exactly. did, right? so. so send in more if you got them but I think we'll do some on this episode because I think this is really fun some people really sent in some interesting cases of where they hand manipulated the website they're looking at for various reasons to get past blockers or to make it look or behave better or all kinds of things like that let's do that but now that but, but let's start with your blog post because I have no idea what you're going to tell me the title of the blog post is a use case for cascading attribute style sheets, uh, yeah. which is apparently a Tab Atkins thing. Yeah, Tab Atkins Bittner, I guess I'm hyphenating their name now. But uh, Tab, a long time ago, wrote about this idea of cascading. Ten years attribute. ago, apparently. <laughs> Ten years ago. Yeah, I've learned like not to put date like... 10 years ago, because it could be like two years until I actually published the blog post. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, 10 years ago, he, he wrote that post, or they wrote that post. And um, anyway, I think it's, I, I just, it, it was like, this is cool. This is cool a long time ago. Uh, but the idea was just like style sheets, you have attribute sheets. And, and their example was video preload metadata, right? And then content video preload auto. So in those two situations, you'd want to like preload differently, but you didn't wouldn't necessarily want to go hack the video tag just to on every post and, oh, and in line. So it's kind of like you could set attributes at a global level and they cascade into your code just like a I see. Because usually attributes well, that's kind of funny, right? Because HTML attributes, something like preload on the video tag, the, A, there is no way to control that with CSS. No, no. If there was, <laughs> it would win because CSS tends to win over attributes. Attributes are generally pretty weak in, in mm-hmm. HTML. Yeah. The problem is the, the preload attribute is a weird one because <laughs> by the time CSS is loaded and were to override that attribute, it's like, too late. It's already been preloaded. True, probably, true. You know. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, and that's, I mean, maybe a situation where you'd actually want to be like preload none as a default and then preload, you know, like whatever later. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but it, I, I thought it was a very cool proposal. I thought it was, you know, something, uh, just something interesting, uh, you know, uh, like I hadn't really seen before. Um, and so right. then I was going through uh, my blog and, you know, I, I speak a couple different languages, Spanish, uh, uh, Japanese, um, ancient Greek, <laughs> weird, <laughs> weird ones. I got in my pocket. Uh, don't really use them that often. Oh, where's uh, this going? Well, I, I just, so in my blog, I'll like do a title, right? Like a post title in Japanese, like, sure. Uh, there was one about a song called Yudusu Maji Genbakuo, right? So I put, I made that the blog post title because that's what I was talking about. But guess what? I don't have, I don't have lang attributes everywhere, right? I didn't code right, that like in your my template. Yeah, in your template, right. it's just an H two, not an H two lang equals lang equals J A, right? So, so I don't have that stuff in there, and so I'm kind of uh, of the mindset like. You know, I could add this stuff in my front matter, but now I got for every programmable text field, I need to have like a, a language attribute and a dir attribute, you know, and, and, you know, kind of going through all this stuff like, oh, I need like redundancies in my code to make this all work, you know, so it makes your templates really gnarly if there's an 
if statement for every possible attribute because you may someday have a one-off that uses it. <laughs> exactly, right? So it was just that that whole thing was just kind of like this is this is pretty uh this is pretty rowdy for for just a uh this is pretty rowdy for just like a single attribute and uh, that I yeah. need to apply. So it got me thinking about this cascading attribute sheets stuff. And I went through and I like uh, actually sort of, I'm just explaining the problem, but like what I do have on my site is art direction, right? I can chuck a block of CSS in the title or in the head of the document. So right. wouldn't it be cool if I could ju- chuck some attribute style sheet up there Right. And then I built a parser <laughs> that does this using the CSS like uh style sheet engine. Uh and I'm using like a the the constructible style sheets stuff. And yeah. So I'm putting that in there. That's working. And but I'm just kind of showing like it's a lot of work just for titles, right? Like I'm I, I'm having all this code just to do titles, but like there's a bunch of other places like form fields that have a bunch of attributes, you know, like autocomplete, mm-hmm. enter key hint, required, not required. Uh, Did it cross your mind that like these attributes, like maybe they shouldn't only exist in HTML? Like wh- why is that? Yeah. Like, why, why don't they have CSS equivalents? Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, I'm just like, isn't there like, you know, it would be so convenient to like just just have attributes outside the system because I mean, my code is right. nearly unreadable with all the props and attributes I have nowadays. <laughs> you know, it's just like these. You know, one lo- one element is now seventeen lines of code. You know, so I think people applaud the declarative nature of HTML and and, and like it. And, and at the same time, you know, and I I don't disagree necessarily, but then it does. But but yet, like inline styles are generally poo-pooed by the same type of thinking. Inline but styles that's declarative are too, you know. So it's right. kind of funny that like one type of of like presentational and behavioral information is is applauded, and others are booed at, even though they're both just kind of declarative things. I don't know. Right. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's just kind of it is like I I don't, you know, I'm not like uh, like I'm just saying here was a use case for the lang, just littering yeah, lang attributes right. wherever I want, where that would be a lot easier than like coding my whole entire CMS or whatever to support lang attributes on every single programmable text field. That right. would, that's where I'm that's sort of the TLDR of of it, you know. And your also thing is like you're kind of it seems to me like intentionally avoiding JavaScript. This comes up a little bit on CodePen as somebody's like, well, you don't expose the HTML document. So what if I want to add a lang attribute to the HTML tag? You're kind of being, you know, English centric by putting lang equals en on mm-hmm. that tag and not giving me a way to do it. And then, you know, this is controversial perhaps, but I wasn't about to change an entire product choice for that one situation necessarily. It's a one-liner in JavaScript, you know, document dot document element dot set attribute lang and change it to something else. It's literally one line of JavaScript. In your case too, you could have added that dir or lang attributes with a couple of lines of art-directed 
JavaScript. Not saying that that's the right answer here. I'm just proposing an an alternative. No, I totally could have. In in like now that I have my little engine, maybe I will. You know, if I need to, you know, it does require JavaScript to run. It does know? require JavaScript to run. I I just was kind of thinking like this is just a interesting world where it would work. You know, I think about like Helmet too for uh, you know configuring the head of your React app or whatever. Like, yeah. Like, what if your page could just pop a style sheet or an attribute sheet and change whatever it needs to, change the OG image yeah. tag, you know? Like, right. that would be kind of cool. So would be kind of um, cool. It, it made me think of React for a minute for another reason, too, is that your, your templates tend not to be loaded with um, per-attribute logic, because so many, like it's almost a, maybe a best practice to spread props on HTML elements. Like if if a if a H1 or a P or a form or whatever ends up in your JSX, and it's the kind of the parent element of a component. At least in our code base, it's pretty common to do like a dot 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 props at the bottom of that element, so sure. that whenever you call it, you can pass whatever. Like if if I pass a a dir as a one off it will appear on that HTML element just as a, it's like a little escape hatch for like, yeah, also put whatever you want on here. You know? Yeah, no, I, it's just interesting to think about. Cause I, I think like, what if there's a world where we could do this stuff by ourselves, you know, or, or just in yeah. different ways. Cause the uh, example I checked out at the end was like, you know, a long time ago when you did micro formats, do you remember the first, version of it, it was like H entry and H content. And, you know, you had to use these special classes, inline classes to get this behavior, right? Whether that's a crawl by Technorati or whatever. Technorati. Phase two, you used item prop, right? And item title and item, whatever the Google, like you just had all these item prop things that you'd use to make Google happy. And that was kind of the XML days, right? And then... Mm -hmm. Nowadays, what do you do? Schema.json in the head, you know, anywhere on the page, really. And it's just a JSON object that is the right kind. And that's it. So, yeah, that's like, that's what cleaner, you do. isn't it? So, I'm just Rather thinking, than like, maybe sprinkling it into HTML and putting the onus on the crawler to, you know, this is just like, here's a piece of structured data. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, hey, every time. To, to have good accessibility or have good, uh, you know, um, have good uh, internationalization or have good um, forms, you know, helpful forms. You have to litter the right things in the right places. You have to put the litter in the right place, you know. It's like sorting your recycling, right? You have to put it in the right trash can. Uh, yeah. Instead, you just have a block that is right, you know. <laughs> so, uh, uh a block that you just basically like type the right things into. So I like the thinking there, especially connecting it to a previous thinking on the same subject, you know, import maps. That's also some (laughs) structured JSON, isn't it? Applying and coming to Safari. Yeah. Right. Like it's coming out in Safari, which is awesome. Like actually didn't think it would come out (laughs) soon. I'm super stoked. Uh, But that's like basically, it replaces NPM kind of, you know, so I can be like import lit element and I've, but I've already told my browser where lit element is. So go remember that. Like, awesome. We are in, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's where the times are changing, man. This is great. 
So right, right. It's it's that I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't I wasn't pining for it, but it was interesting to see how many people are that. That's like one of most one of the things that people are almost most excited about with this recent Safari release. And I kind of get it because we got so used to writing, you know, import React from React or whatever that type of import import view from view at the top of files. But that mm-hmm. was that was long been meaningless. I always pointed to that and said, "That's not JavaScript. That's right. a bastardized syntax. It's not real." And I and then and only to prove myself wrong, it's like, "Oh, actually, it is real." If we have import maps. <laughs> suddenly, uh, suddenly it is real. Suddenly it does exist. Enjoy. And that's. It, that's awesome. That's an innovation. I mean, like, I think like we are in a good situation. So yeah, heck yeah, we are. I just I think like you know you think like petite view or something. You know, even something simple like that. Like you can just say like, here's where my petite view lives. You know, or or whatever you're looking for is in this bundle. So go find it. You know, um, that's cool. <laughs> when I talk about view, it's an, I mean this file on my server. You know. And I think we'll see some cool thing, cool bundling, probably change bundling again. Like, yeah. And I mean, I guess right now, Vt or whatever probably just has a little source map of what what goes where when you're saying stuff, you know. But it's just going to get simple, I think. Yeah. And that's for dev. Isn't that funny that it turned out that not bundling was the was the thing that made dev faster? But yeah. you can still bundle for production. And we're so close. Like, I, I would suspect within some amount of time that not bundling production will also be the correct answer. But we're just, I, I think there's some yeah. tiny production things that... We still have, it's like Lodash ruins it, not to... <laughs> <laughs> but but it's just all these tiny functions, right? Like that that people kind of depend on, you know? Um, yeah, and you want, you want a way to just pluck a tiny little piece of that across the wire. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. I want you want that for everything. Video really notoriously kind of nailed it. That that when you pull video from the internet, even if it's just a video tag that links to an MP4, browsers don't just immediately kick off a request for a gigabyte of video. They do it in yeah. these tiny little streamed pieces, which yep. just felt like, yeah, of course we have to do that. And I think everything else is going to follow suit. You know, I was looking at some proposal for a font streaming or something like only request the characters of a font that you need you know but have it happen automatically don't you know there's always been a way to you know to trim a font what do you subset, call that when you yeah, subset yeah. yeah you had to kind of do that manually uh and then like google fonts notoriously had like some query parameter that you could put a, a you know a sentence in and it'd be like oh i see what you're trying to do you only want the characters that match the characters needed for this sentence that's cool it's also still manual you know you'd almost prefer the browser just just do it and it that's going to matter more and more when it comes to uh, i don't know variable fonts and, and you know color font any font that's pr- particularly large I mean, I didn't mean to make this whole thing about fonts, but I like the idea of only pulling from the network the bits that you need. Well, and you know what is streamed? HTML. Mm. Like, like that comes in a stream, and the browser's like, "Oh, I got a chunk. I can, I know what to do with it." Like, and so like it'll start building your page top to bottom, you know, like as it gets stuff. And so like, that's cool. Yeah, doesn't the framework have to support it? I remember reading something about that recently. It didn't. Uh, it didn't really occur to me that much that you needed to have your framework be buddies with HTML streaming, lest you lose that, you know, 
built-in feature of HTML. You mean like your JS framework? Yeah, if if you choose to use one. Yeah, you probably get it for free, and then it's just one more thing that you you, you lose took out you of pick the a system. framework. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We broke the internet, so I feel um, like there was like a Ben Holmes tweet this morning where he did like whiteboarded a little bit of 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 HTML rendering as it arrives, kind of thing. Oh yeah. He's getting so good with that whiteboard. And I'll tell you what, it like has videos in it now. I don't know how he up got that whiteboard. It's beautiful. So the little when he clicks a button and it goes people, people, people and loading. That's classic. That's some uh next level uh special effects. So this podcast is brought to you by Split the feature management and experimentation platform. What if a release was exactly as how it sounds, a moment of relief, an escape from slow, painful deployments that hold back product engineers? Free your teams and your features with Split. By attaching insightful data to feature flags, Split helps you quickly deploy, measure, and learn the impact of every feature you release, which means you can turn up what works and turn off what doesn't and give software innovation the room to run wild. Now you can safely deliver features up to 50 times faster and exhale. Split feature management and experimentation. What a release. Reimagine software delivery. Start your free trial and create your first feature flag at split.io slash shop talk. Let's do the patching stuff. Really cool. So what what can you do? And by patching the web, remember we talked about this at the top of the show. We're talking about messing with the live website like you can do in desktop browsers. Not so much in native apps, not so much in mobile browsers. A little bit in mobile browsers, but you know, because now they have extensions, which is which is kind of cool. Um, as well as, you know, you can theoretically open up dev tools on a device that's plugged into your computer and such, but that's not really <laughs> super practical. But let's say you wanted to, you know, add the or remove the autoplay attribute from all videos or something like that. That's something mm-hmm. that you're able to do because of the patchability of the open web. So we asked people to write in about it. A lot of them came from the Discord. So thanks everybody uh, in the Discord. There was an interesting one from Andrew, who's been on the show recently. He was mm-hmm. talking about buying tickets for Disneyland and uh, after they opened up their online ticket sales after being closed for COVID, there was obviously a lot of interest in that. And uh, it would give you, when you're looking at the screen, kind of a like how long you're going to be waiting. But the information didn't really, it didn't give you very much information about how actually how long it was going to be, like what position you are in line. Because it had some client-side JavaScript that would get that information and then convert it into something, you know, a little, I don't know what they thought would be palatable to look at. But it turned out the actual JSON information, of which you could look at by opening DevTools and poking around a little bit, had much more interesting information in it. And Andrew, you know, uh, you know, educated the world about how to dig for that and ended uh-huh. up, you know, publishing a gist that had all that information on how to dig that data out and what it actually meant and stuff. And uh, pretty cool. It's probably better to read the the thread. Yeah, what's up? What what I find cool about this? Yeah, he was trying to buy tickets, right? And then he shared how to do it so other people could figure out how to do it. 
he's like, go into your console and this is how you figure out what place in the queue you are or how many minutes it's going to take. And um, I just, that's a, he didn't just help himself. He helped a lot of people, you know, I think that's, you know, generally don't go pasting stuff into a console from the <laughs> internet, but uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a good point, right? Uh, if somebody tells you to just put this snippet in, might be a little danger there, but you all know what you're doing, right? Definitely look for anything that says fetch. You know, you don't. You don't yeah, nothing that says fetch that. in there. Um, no, it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, you ever go to Instagram.com, Dave? <laughs> been there, been there a few times. It's getting more useful because you know, you know, I think for a long time they just didn't have any web app at all. Then there was like a really basic web app where you could browse a little bit, and it's become more full featured lately. I think you can uh, you can just straight up upload and it's pretty much a full featured web app finally on Instagram. But even then, even, you know, um, you can't just, this just seems freaking absurd to me. So whatever you can't like right click an image and just be like, Oh, save image as, or drag it off onto your desktop or something from Instagram. Even an image you took. Even Even an image you took. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you can't do it on the mobile app either. Either there's no way to 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 click and save to your Long photo roll press or whatever. Yeah, right. So everybody takes a screenshot and crops it or whatever, which probably is absolutely ridiculous. But that's just how they roll. I mean, I don't think you can tell Instagram what to do or whatever. But on the web, it's easier, right? You can't hack their mobile app. But on the web, this is pretty easy to do. It just turns out that Justin from the from the the Discord just puts pointer events none on the div. They have an overlapping div that prevents you from doing this. They just chuck a little pointer events none on there, and that'll do it. You could also just delete it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. I usually go and delete, right? Like delete, delete, yeah. delete, you know, for every photo. Um, but like, you know, web inspecting is not that fun to find that element. So you just know the name of it, and then you just do it once, and now your whole session has that inspector style sheet uh, to never. Yeah, yeah, right. It's kind of better to do it via the, via the class name. Unfortunately, the class name, as I'm looking, as I'm doing it right now, is underscore A-A-W-G. So generating oh, yeah. class name, um, yeah, not my favorite. I, I tend to like, if you're, I don't know, having a generated class name for the styling seems fine to me because it's you know kind of like the CSS modules approach of mm-hmm. of isolating CSS but then generally adding human readable human hackable class names to things we do that at codepen quite a bit you know we'll put our weird class name on there but then put an id or a data attribute or a human readable class name on there in case you want to mess with it nice uh andrew again here uh, was saying to spell check my blog posts before I post them. I've been doing document.designmode true equals true in the console and it makes all the text editable and gives like red squiggles. And oh, I freaking love that. That's great. I mean, I probably need it more often. Uh, so, yeah, if you have a text area on a website, you get all the red squiggles and all that, all that kind of stuff. But I guess Andrew's talking about. You're looking at a preview of your blog post that perhaps you wrote in software that didn't have that. And I think that's pretty common if you're writing your blog post, for example, in like VS Code. Mm-hmm. I have a, a a plugin installed for spell checking in it called like Code Spell Checker or something right. that has a terrible icon, but it has 5 million installs because apparently it's the best one out there for it. It does not do 
the kind of spell checking that you're used to. It's not using, you know, it's not native so that your, you know, your grammarly isn't working or whatever, but it doesn't even really do red squiggles underneath it where you can just right click and the, the kind of editing that you're used to from your operating system. It all has to fake that in VS Code. So I'm grateful that this plugin exists. I just, I, I just wish it just didn't have to, it didn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get the spelling and grammar checking that you want out of VS Code. So instead, you know, look at a preview on your website, hit the design mode, uh, edit it there, and uh, I guess theoretically move it back or move the changes one by one over. Pretty clever idea, I'd say. Yeah, I'm going to just see if this post I just did has it. Uh, oh, design mode on or design mode true? That's uh, true. Yeah. Or, or is on, it on? I think so. Oh, he wrote true, but it's in oh, IPO. I do have a typo. Multiple, multiple. Oh my gosh! The city in Ukraine. I the think. system works. Yeah, I'm gonna try it too. Document dot design capital mode equals on. Oh yeah, it kind of auto completes for you too. Good job, the world. Ah uh, yeah, it's finding some some red squiggles under words that you would expect. But oh yeah, you're actually a pretty clean writer, man. I try <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, now I'm getting a grammar edit in my editor. That's because uh, I use the Write Good extension, which is I'm gonna, uh, yeah. That's why I like opening Notion in the browser because sometimes I'll I'll do some writing that ends up on the web in Notion, but in the app you don't get nothing. It doesn't help you at all, but on the web it does. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Hey, 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 let's start. That's weird. I think that's a pretty strong use reason to use Notion on the web if you can. You know, the slowness of Notion is starting to annoy me a little bit. I know they're not. They've been sponsored the show, and I really appreciate that. And I obviously use the crap out of Notion, so I'm not advocating that you're not a customer. But it's like, man, I would make 2023 the year of speed on that website, man. I, I feel you. I, and sometimes I do wonder, is it me or is it them? <laughs> because I put a lot of junk in the Notion. Uh, over the years and uh i do like it but yeah it is kind of like a there's got to be some architectural changes to, to make and, and web stuff components. for that but. hire dave rupert <laughs> uh, <hell laughs> tell yeah. you about web components baby uh-huh. i don't know hey uh we got uh <laughs> chris uh i'm not sure if the, who this was chris but manipulating mm. oh i yeah i put that that's oh that's me, you because <laughs> uh, i was gonna say i just put like yeah, go ahead. Oh, you so you say? said manipulating everything you see for the purposes of screenshots and jokes and et cetera. And yeah, I think that was, uh, that struck out to me because I don't, oh, some longtime listeners may know, but not, I'm sure not everyone knows the first version of the shop talk show was called CSS Riffin. And it was you and me uh, uh, getting wasted and uh, messing with people's websites. And we don't, no one talks about that. <laughs> I still think it should come back, but uh, that's exactly right. We just use dev tools to just mess with websites, which is hilarious. And uh, I think everybody does that to this degree. How often do you see like a fake tweet, you know, or mm. somebody just w- went into dev tools and just edited what somebody wrote f- for that, that purpose. But that has real design utility too. You know, I find that to be pretty common as I'll like mess with the screen and get it close or something. Or, you know, what a common one as I might do is go to a website and like remove all the like guts of the website, but keep like the header and footer, for example, screenshot that and then drag that into Figma so that I feel like when I'm Figma-ing around, I'm like doing it within the the vibe of the website, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and two, I mean, not... 
you know, we talked about Vizbug a bit in the last episode, but um, yeah, uh, you know, essentially that's kind of what it does is <laughs> manipulates the screen, you know. But you can do that without Vizbug. Vizbug makes it a lot easier. But um, just this idea of like, you know, just kind of get in there and like mess with stuff is pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, that's just beautiful. And that's the patchability of, of, of websites at work, you know, allowing us to do that kind of thing. Uh, Josh writes in that, um, this, and I've done this just countless times too. Have you ever run across a button that's like grayed out and you're like, why, why is it grayed out? Yeah. Like I, I know enough about websites that I would know why, like there's some problem. And usually in my experience, the problem is like, one password or something filled out a field and the JavaScript on the page didn't realize that it did. And the disabled attribute is on the button waiting for like some interaction on that element first before it's like willing to be like, oh, they, you know, I'm, I'm disabled because they haven't entered anything into that field yet unbeknownst to them an extension has done that already so i'm like oh why is this disabled and i'll literally just open up dev tools remove the disabled attribute and <laughs> submit the form anyway and just see what happens you know and i feel like there's like a 50 percent chance that that works but that's what josh was saying is removing the disabled attribute on a form element uh just to submit quote unquote invalid but a workful uh, workable and useful solution for yeah what he was doing. Well, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes the invalid is just sort of a weird, I don't know. Sometimes people do that just, I don't know. They, they like, they have some weird rule set that's not true anymore or something like that. Uh, somebody, Adam on Twitter was, had a similar one. Like you ever been to a site where it prevents you from like pasting into a form field, you know, like it has like whatever paste false or, or, Whatever, it just like disables mm. that ability. Um, I forget what that if there's an attribute or if it's like just intercepting the paste event. But but anyway, he's like, I can just right. go element dot value <laughs> equals my value. Eat it, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> there, I pasted it in. Like I tricked you, you dumb machine. So that's great. Mm. So nice. Well, we have a write in from email from Johan Colin or Johan. Colleen. This is a great one, I think. There was, he's trying to buy tickets, right, at a theater. And there's lots of places for two tickets for himself and his wife, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of places with three empty seats. So obviously just wants two of them. But there was some client-side JavaScript that would say, oh, you can't leave one empty seat in a row. It didn't let you do that. It wanted to to fill the theater. But he's like, dude, whatever. That's so uncool. These are empty seats and I'm buying them. So he goes into the client-side JavaScript and adds a breakpoint in the JavaScript before the check to see if there's an empty seat left at the row and then was able to just buy two tickets in the row, leaving the empty seat. I mean, you know? go for That's it. That's baller. I, yeah. Does this work on airplanes? You earned it. <laughs> 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 because if it works on airplanes, I'm uh, going to use it. If you really care, you would have server-side validated it, team. That's a, gosh, that's a, that's like a, cross stitch that should go up in every office if you really care service side value yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes goes in the bathroom um if you really care <laughs> oh my gosh i'm gonna have to make a t-shirt all right um yeah there's a couple other like people hacking commerce that uh, somebody was like uh 
uh, Michael on Twitter was saying there was like a limited edition, you know, flash cart for Nintendo 64, you know, that's kind of like a modding, you know, games emulator kind of thing. Uh, you know, and it was like uh, getting like ha- hammered. And so it like, like was losing requests or whatever, like nine out of 10 requests were failing. Uh, but then I think he just went through and uh, like scripted his way to like, just grab a, but like just make 10 purchases and hopefully one goes through. So um, anyway, uh, like that's a little, I think that's good, but that edges on the way it, it, the, the uh, scalper mentality, but uh, it's good in that, but that's, it's yeah. kind of that weird thing, right? It's like as developers, we have sort of this weird superpower to cast a spell and get our way. You know, I, I, it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of cool that we're the boss. You yeah. know, why do I even have this job if I can't hack this damn website? You know, right? Well, and but the the trade off is you have to spend years of like your parents saying like, can you fix Best Buy? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Can you call BestBuy.com and tell them to fix it? Yeah, you, you got to set up a lot of printers. Yeah, you, printers, Wi-Fi, that's all you for the rest of your life. Uh, fixing Google, that's on you. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Absolutely. Explaining cryptocurrency, even though you don't really get it. Yeah, but but. You can make the text purple on a website you don't know. I tell you, <laughs> God damn right. Yeah. Speaking of doing that, Dan wrote in and said that that um, he just has a few lines of CSS that he adds to Jira to hide all the unneeded UI in our in the morning standup. So it blows up the text size, removes white space, makes it easier to read when screen sharing. So super low key, but I use it every day. He says just a JS bookmarklet that adds some extra styles. Nice. I guess that means they don't have content security policy on Jira. That's nice. Good to know. But Good to if know. It works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just was thinking like that would be the perfect way. Like you're going into morning meeting. Beep. Just show me the care about. You know. Like delete yeah, all this. Like right. that's that's actually pretty. You got helpful. me convinced to add the like the hide the trending stuff on Twitter, which surely is just one CSS selector that hides that thing. Yeah. But then I guess I make it their job to keep up with that CSS selector yeah, instead of my job. Yeah, it's change a bunch. I just, yeah. But yeah, right. it's, I don't know, it, that that little modification I think has made me a lot chiller as a person. Um, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I, There's nothing good that happens in the what's happening section no, that you need to know about. I'll it, tell you what. It's just clickbait. It's like some politician said the word Dolly Parton and now Dolly Parton's trending for 10 days. It's just what I give up. dude. I don't, I don't need that in my life. So don't pay attention. It's a pretty simple one and it, it really is effective. I was, I was reading a book. It's called 4,000 weeks. We can end on this, but 4,000 weeks. It's about like, uh, basically that's the time you have on this earth. Spend it wisely. It's not that like, daunting but but one of the things it said in the book that just I reread it I liked it so much which I don't reread books ever but um it was like one thing it said was if it finding stuff to do is not the problem figuring out what you can ignore is is the problem and I just thought that was cool I just like 
no one, no one's like, gosh, I just don't have stuff to do. You know, it's like figuring out what you can ignore and not do is actually the, the like perfect posture. So anyway, so that thing you're procrastinating on, that's fine. You're just <laughs> waiting to see if it's important. So there you go. <laughs> I applaud you. So anyway. All right, we should wrap it up. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to star heart favorite it up. That's how people find out about the show. And follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for tens of tweets a month. And join us in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Mm, just the shoptalkshow.com. 